pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. meets and we can worship you hallelujah we can feel your presence in this place this morning lord god we thank you that you're here we thank you that your presence is amongst us and we thank you god that you will manifest yourself in a way that we will know that we had a visitation this morning from god lord have your way in this place holy spirit touch your people this morning God, I pray that you prepare every heart in here and within the sound of my voice on the social media sites, God, that you prepare every heart to receive the word that we have today. And God, I thank you that your anointing is upon the word. Hallelujah. I thank you that your anointing is upon me. I declare and decree that I am anointed of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I will preach an anointed word. Thank you, Father, for boldness and clarity and simplicity. And thank you, Father, for accuracy. God, I want to rightly divide the word today. And I want to speak only the words that you tell me to speak and withhold those that you don't want me to share this morning. So I thank you for it in advance. God, I pray for healing for everyone that's not here this morning, especially our pastorate. I got, God, I send your word. You said you sent your word and healed them all. Hallelujah. So we send your word this morning, Father, to each and every one that needs a touch from you. And we believe your word is at work in them right now to affect the healing and a cure, to drive out sickness and disease in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Children, you're dismissed for Children's Church. Thank you, Judah. That was a good word this morning, Miss Shane. I felt that heaviness too. Hallelujah. No heaviness in here. We command it to lift in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, have your Bibles with you this morning. Turn with me to 1 John. Chapter 3, verses 18 through 24. 1 John 3, 18 through 24. I'm going to be reading in the Message Bible. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. So if there's a real love, there must be an artificial love. Or a fake love. Or a superficial love. But we're interested in real love. Amen? This is the only way we'll know we're living truly living. Living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism. Even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves... 
we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch our hands out and receive what we ask for because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him, and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us, by the spirit he gave us. Hallelujah. What a privilege. What a privilege to have the spirit that he gave us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It wasn't a different spirit that raised Christ. It's the same spirit that we're filled with that dwells in us. Two Wednesdays ago, I taught on the subject of self-condemnation and how it affects not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with everyone else in our life. I didn't know how impactful that message was going to be, at least for me. I had trouble sleeping that Wednesday night two weeks ago. And I woke up Thursday morning flooded with hurtful memories that went all the way back to my childhood. Things that I thought that I had dealt with, but apparently I didn't. And I realized after Pastor Rhett talked to me, because I was feeling really emotional and I'm, I'm asking her, why are these things coming up? I thought I dealt with them. Why are they still hurtful to me? And she said God was cleansing me of some things that I actually didn't take care of before. And I realized that there were two things I desired as a child, but I never really experienced them. I never felt true love, like John is talking about here. And I never felt accepted. I realized that I was living my life under the same condemnation that I was preaching about Wednesday night. I realized I was living my life under self-criticism. I was constantly criticizing myself. And how many knows you're your own worst critic? I realized that I was living under that self-criticism and condemnation, never feeling like I was good enough, never feeling self-worth, never feeling true love, never feeling valued. And I know I'm not alone in this. There's millions of people that feel this way. And all these things taken together will destroy your confidence and that keeps you from approaching God and people in relationships because you feel like you're not worthy enough and you feel like you will be rejected. Self-criticism and condemnation is a terrible thing because you never feel like you can measure up to anybody, especially God. But never feeling confident towards God, it makes it difficult for us to approach him because you never feel like you're worthy enough to do so. And so you find yourself spending a lot of time alone, at least I did, avoiding God and everybody else. And condemnation will always keep you from having full, satisfying relationships. 
John said, this is also what keeps us from stretching forth the hand of faith and receiving from God the things that we need. And the first thing that we don't receive is the first thing that he's offered us, and that's his unconditional love. If you don't feel confident towards him, if you don't feel worthy, if you don't feel like you can measure up to his standards, which you can't and never will, then you will never reach for what he's offering us, and that's his unconditional love. That's the first thing that he's ever offered us, is his love. <coughs> Everything else follows that. But you've got to receive that love. Because if you don't receive that love, you will never love yourself, and you will not be able to love others with true, real love, because you don't have it in you. You know, Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful, they looked on that crippled man, and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In other words, I can't give you something that I don't have. If I never received the Father's love, then I can't give you that love because it's not in me. I don't have it to give. And so you're not only being shortchanged yourself, you're shortchanging everybody that's in your life, including your spouse and your children. If you allow condemnation and self-criticism in your life, it will make you feel like God doesn't want to bless you or heal you or do anything good for you, and you'll always feel like something is wrong with you. The enemy likes to put you under condemnation for a lot of reasons, but he'll condemn you for past sins, past failures, present failures, mistakes, until finally you lose your confidence first in yourself and then towards God, and that will keep you from receiving anything from him, including first of all his love, and then second of all his salvation, because that's what follows his love. You know, it, it's all about love because it wasn't the Romans and the Jewish religious leaders that nailed Jesus to that cross. It was love that nailed him to that cross. It was love that tied him to that whipping post. He could have left any time he wanted to. Love kept him there. Amen. It was love that caused him to sacrifice his life for us. Amen. Receive our sin. Suffer and die for our sins. Go to hell for our sins. Defeat the devil for our sins. It was all about us. It was a substitutionary death. And it was because, not because he was forced to, but because he wanted to. And it was because he loved us. The devil knows that if he can just put you under condemnation and it doesn't take a lot, then he can isolate you and keep you away from other people and especially God. And the reason he does it is because he never wants you to learn the truth. The truth he wants to keep from us is that God loved us enough to sacrifice his only son for us and redeem us from sin and condemnation. They go hand in hand. John said, if our hearts condemn us, if we never feel worthy, loved, or accepted, then we will never have enough confidence to approach God and stretch forth our hand to receive the things that he wants to give us, the things that he's already purchased for us. 
And what we don't realize is that Jesus made us righteous and he made us worthy whether we feel like it or not. See, we have to understand that being made righteous and being made worthy is not a feeling. It is a position. And it's a position that you can't earn. You can't work your way up to it. It was given to us. Jesus Christ's own righteousness and worthiness was conferred upon us, conveyed upon us. We didn't do anything to deserve it. But the thing that we do have to do is receive it. And if you have no confidence towards God because you're living under condemnation, guilt, and self-criticism, then you will never stretch forth your hand to receive it. When you accepted Christ and you were born again, you were totally and completely forgiven. You were exonerated. It was as though you never, ever sinned in your life. And not only for your past sins, but for your present sins and for the future sins that you haven't even committed yet. God died for all of them. Jesus went to the cross for all of them, past, present, and future. You became a new creation and old things passed away, including all the things that you're feeling condemned. But many of us have a hard time leaving some of those things behind. And so we carry that baggage into our new lives and into our future. And they hold us back. And if we don't deal with them, I mean truly deal with them. And I thought I had dealt with all these things. And apparently I didn't deal with a few of them because God brought them up to me. So I could deal with them once and for all and get them out because they were hindering me. The Apostle Paul assured us in Romans 8.1, he said, There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if you're feeling unworthy and condemned, uh, always find yourself criticizing yourself, never measuring up to anybody's standards, not even God's standards, uh, which you can never uh, measure up to, but Jesus measured up to them for us. But you can't stretch forth your hand and receive it because you're under condemnation. And if you are, you're walking after the flesh and it's stripping you of your confidence to approach God and receive his love. You know, the Bible tells us clearly that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. That happened at the new birth. But you know not everybody received that love. And until you receive it, like I said, you'll never love yourself. And because you don't love yourself, you'll never love others the way that you should love them. With a real, true love. And why am I saying all of this? Because that's how I was for years. I thought I was past all that, but Thursday morning I realized that I was talking to me that Wednesday night more than anybody else. And I realized I was still carrying baggage and I shouldn't be. And maybe I didn't deliver the message the way I should have, 
because I think that everybody in this room had to feel the same way I was feeling. Every one of us carries some kind of baggage. Every one of us carries some kind of guilt and condemnation from our past. There's something in every one of us that we never feel good enough about, worthy enough about. And that condemnation is not coming from God, it's coming from your own heart. I was still carrying garbage. Yeah, garbage. Baggage and garbage. Baggage full of garbage. And didn't realize it. I had a genuine encounter with God. And it's been almost 40 years now. And I didn't realize the total significance of that encounter until that Thursday morning a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to share that with you this morning, but first I have to give you some background. Because part of this is, is my one of my testimonies, and I've given most of it before, but I didn't understand the full significance of it myself. So I couldn't have given it to you uh, with the amount of recognition that it should have gotten. But like many kids today, I was raised in a home where both parents worked. Pay attention, Ethan and Tyler, because you're going to hear things you've never heard before, and you'll never hear them again. I'm sharing these because I know they're going to help somebody. I'm sharing them because I know that somebody's gone through the same things or is going through the same things that I went with and how I dealt with them. I knew my parents loved me, but my dad had a hard time showing it. Not just to me, but to anyone. He just didn't know how to express it. He was never able to say those three little words that mean so much to so many of us that he could never say, I love you. Them words would just get stuck. And he wasn't big on touch either because my dad never hugged me. Never in my life did my dad hug me. And it may sound silly to some people, but those were the two things I wanted more than anything else in my life was to be loved and hugged by my father. You know, I couldn't possibly cover all my lifetime in this short amount of time that I have here today, so I can't even get into my mother's love, but I did enjoy a mother's love. But I wanted and desired and needed a father's love. That's important to a child. Not only to male children, but especially to female children. They need the love of a father. True love of a father. And I don't blame my dad because I realized later that it was probably because he never heard those words and he was never hugged by his father. Now my father was tough. But he never abused us. But when it came to, it would have been abuse according to today's standards. But when it came to discipline, I'll just say this, he was old school. I didn't get a spanking. I was never bent over his knee and got a spanking. I got a backhand or a whack or one time he hung my brother on a, a, a coat hook on the wall. But he made his point. 
I was about five years old when my parents divorced and my mom left. My brother and I both lived with our dad in the house that we were raised in, at least for a little while. And then both of our parents eventually remarried and my mom got the house where we were living in and my dad moved out. And my brother and I began living with our mom and stepdad in the same house. And once my dad got settled, my brother and I went back and forth living with my mom for a while and visiting my dad and then living with my dad for a while and visiting my mom. And I remember getting on a Chicago Transit Authority bus from where I lived with my parents, riding that bus to the end of the line, transferring to another bus and riding that bus for a half an hour. It was like an hour and 15 minute bus ride to go visit my mother. And I would do that on the weekends sometimes. And then once my dad got settled, my brother and I, like I said, we're going back and forth. My brother and I eventually split up and he moved in with my mom and I stayed with my dad. And I'm telling you all this so that you can see what a messed up background I came from. And some of the things that God had to deliver me from. I had a handicapped little stepsister that I loved. That I loved dearly. And I found myself always fighting for her and sticking up for her in school because she was picked up. I had a stepmom and a stepdad, and then several half-brothers and sisters were born on both sides along the way, so that we had two separate families that were totally and completely different. I can't speak for the rest of my family, but as for myself, I grew up never really learning what real love actually was. I loved both of my families, but with a fractured love that I learned from my father, that he learned from his father, that probably learned from his father. And this is an example of a generational curse and how they're passed down. In Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. He lays or allows the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. The curse had to be broken because if it wasn't, then I was destined to hand it down to my children, and they would have handed it down to their children and they would have handled it, handed it down to their children, to the third, fourth generations, and even beyond until it was broken by somebody. But anyway, I, I grew up never feeling like I 
fully fit in anywhere. I'm not saying I didn't, I'm just saying that I never felt like I did. And I never felt like I was good enough and it caused me to withdraw and to be kind of a loner. As far as religion goes, I was raised a Catholic from early childhood. I went to catechism classes on Wednesdays to learn how to be a good Catholic. And I was sent to church every Sunday. I say sent to church because my parents didn't go with us. And I guess I didn't learn everything I should have learned because I never really connected with God. I knew there was a God, but I felt like he was far away, but always watching for me to mess up so that he could judge me and deal with me, send me bad things. I, I think I really knew he existed, but it seemed like he was always working and was never around very much, just like my earth, earthly father was. I was told he loved me and taught that he loved me, but I never felt it. I guess the image and the way I felt about God as my heavenly father is the same image and the same way I felt about my earthly father because that was the only example of fatherhood I had. Looking back, I realized a lot of major influences in my life were negative. I was raised in a house where, this is on my dad's side now, it wasn't that. Some of those things were going on in my mother's house, but not nearly as bad in my dad's house. But I was raised in a house where drinking and cussing and smoking and gambling and, and sexual relationships outside of marriage were accepted as normal behavior and where love was just never expressed. And here come the general, generational curses again because living in that environment and being exposed to those spirits had a real adverse effect on me because I found, found myself thinking that all that junk was normal too. I didn't realize it at the time, but unless something changed, I was destined to carry on those family curses. I eventually made some friends that were, of course, a lot like me. Friends that had absentee fathers and broken homes and broken relationships. I got involved in sports and I played a lot of baseball. Stayed away from home a lot. I played in two leagues at the same time for several seasons. And between practicing and games, I was away from home early morning till late at night, which is exactly what I wanted. I played in literally hundreds of games over the years and even made the all-star team a few times. But with all the good memories I had about baseball, the thing I remember the most was that neither one of my fathers ever made it to one game, not one. As a result, I became pretty independent and a little bitter. And I kind of liked it that way. I could go on, but anyway, I wanted to give you just a little background to show you what a messed up, dysfunctional childhood I had. 
and why I felt the way I did about life, love, and especially fathers. As a matter of fact, my life didn't even start to make sense until I met my wife. That was when I first began to feel love and acceptance. I didn't know what she saw in me at the time. But she did make me feel love. And that's a story for another day. But as a child, the one thing I wanted more than anything else was to be genuinely loved and accepted, especially by my father. All I ever wanted was to be loved and hugged once in a while by my father. My mother loved me, my mother hugged me, I felt it. But I didn't know what real love was. But fast forward now several years and Pastor Ed and I are married and we got two children. We're living a dream, great jobs, nice home in the suburbs. Didn't have the white picket fence, but did have a fenced in yard. We were practicing Catholics, raising our children Catholic, going to church, and making confession on a regular basis, saying all our prayers. But in spite of it all, I was turning out to be the exact same father to my children that my father was to me. A good provider, a disciplinarian that just wasn't home a lot. I traveled with UPS, went to different schools, different meetings all the time, worked crazy shifts. And I didn't know how to love my children. And guess what? I never hugged them either. I remember one time Chris had a bad bike accident. He was being chased by a dog and he ran into the back of a parked car. Flipped over the handlebars, bounced on the pavement, come on bleeding with scrapes and bruises and a big knot on his head. Did I hug him and comfort him? No. I told him to suck it up because that's what my dad told me all my life. I didn't realize it, but I had become my father's son. Sorry, you guys. I, I guess I'm still being cleansed. But Mike started going to church with my sister-in-law Ann sitting right there. And God lit his match. I mean, he was on fire for God. And he wanted us to go to church with him, but I said, no way, I'm a Catholic. But Mike kept at us and Ann was witnessing and Eventually, we decided to go with for no other reason, just to see what all the hoopla was about. It was more curiosity than anything else. I sure didn't go there looking for God that night. It was a Saturday night service. But little did I know what God had planned for me 
it was a really critical time in my life because even though we're living the American dream and it seemed like we had everything that we needed, I still felt this emptiness inside of me that seemed like it could never be satisfied. I know I need a new job. No, that's not it. I know I need a new position, a promotion, a raise, more money. No, that's not it. I know I need a new car. That's not it. A bigger house. That's not it. A good vacation. That's not it. Always wanting, always getting, but never satisfied. I didn't realize it, but I'm trying to fill a hole in my life that only God could fill. It was like I was an incomplete puzzle, and the piece that was missing was God-shaped, and I didn't have it. I was trying to fit that puzzle piece with everything else but God. What I really needed was an encounter with God. That was the only thing that was going to save me. And that's exactly what God planned for me that night. We walked into that little old country church, and the first thing I noticed was how welcome and accepted everyone made us feel. It was something I had never really experienced before. I really felt like they were genuinely happy to see me. I don't want to say I never experienced it before. I never experienced that in church before. Now this next, next sec section is going to be a little comical, which I don't mean it to be comical. I'm just telling you what was going on in my heart. But then the music started playing, and I seen people doing things I've never seen in church before. They were singing, dancing, shouting, raising their hands, praising God, crying, laughing, and running around the church. Heresy, I thought. And based on the teachings and the upbringing that I had, this had all the, mar the markings of a cult. I thought, if there is a God and he gets me out of here alive, I'll serve him forever. That's how scared I was. The kids were scattered. Chris and Mike went somewhere, and me and Pastor Ed Nam were sitting in the back of the church, elevated, because the back kind of went up a little bit. And we were sitting in the back there. I thought, if there is a God and he gets me out of here alive, I'll serve him forever. But what really scared me the most was the pastor was calling people up to the front of the church and not only praying for them, but praying for them out loud. And he was praying prophesying to him and reading their mail and I thought that was embarrassing and I didn't even know him and then he was hitting them on the head and they were falling backwards dead I was sure I thought good lord how am I going to get my family together and make it to the door without him seeing me but then just like Job the thing I feared come upon me the pastor was pointing to me and calling me up front. I pretended he wasn't talking to me and I put my head in my arm and I leaned on the pew in front of me. 
pretended like I was crying or something. But I was hiding. But he kept pointing and calling for the man in the brown sweater. I had a brown sweater on that night. Then my, aunt, my, my, my wife and Ann are poking me and telling me, he's talking to you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I know that. That's why I'm hiding. <laughs> but finally, I got up and I reluctantly walked down there. And I remember telling myself that he can hit me in the head all he wants and I'm not falling down. And there I was standing in front of him, literally trembling waiting to be hit in the head and die. But that didn't happen. Instead, he whispered in my ear and told me things about myself that I never told anyone. He told me that I searched for love and acceptance all my life but never found it. He said that this night I would feel a touch from the master's hand and I would never question his love again. And then here's the clincher. He told me, and your mother, like a P.S., he says, your mother will not die from that disease that is in her body. That blew my mind right then because I knew there was no way that he could have known that my mother had just contracted, or didn't just contract, but contracted AIDS and was diagnosed with it because of a blood transfusion fusion she got there an open heart surgery when they weren't screening blood at that time. AIDS was a new thing. There was no cure for it. And we had just found that out. There's no way that he could have known. Ann didn't even know. So I knew that he was hearing from God when he was talking to me. And then when he was done what I call reading my mail. And he was respectful because most of it he just whispered in my ear. But he laid his hand on my head and gently, I might add, he didn't hit me in the head like I thought he was doing to everybody. And all he said was, feel a touch from the master's hand. And when he did, I felt an overwhelming love and this is a kid that didn't know anything about real love, but I felt an overwhelming love come over me, and I recognized it. And the only way I can describe it is, is it was like warm oil being poured all over my entire body. I felt that kind of warmth. I never felt like it, felt anything like it before in my life. But I knew what it was. I knew it was true love that I had been looking for all my life. Here's the freaky part. Then I felt someone put their arms around me and gently but firmly hugged me with that same love that I felt when he laid his hand on my head. And I thought it was the pastor, so I reached out to hug him back. And there was nothing there. I opened my eyes, and he was in front of me, but he was like three feet away from me. Now, you can believe this or not, but I was still being hugged when I looked at him. I still felt those arms around me 
when I looked at that pastor and I knew it wasn't happening. That's when I realized it was Father God giving me the two things that I wanted and needed all my life. To feel a father's love and to be hugged. That's what I wanted all my life. And I'm telling you, if I didn't get it that night, I don't know where I'd be. God proved to me that he was not only real, but that he truly loved me. And the way he touched me that night changed my life forever. It broke that generational curse because now that I received his love and acceptance, I could share it with others, and it started with my family, especially my children. I began to love them with a love I never had before. And I began to tell them I love them every chance I got. And I began to hug them every chance I got. I would hug them and say goodnight to them when they went to bed and tell them I love them. And, I, and to this day, I never pass an opportunity to tell my children or my grandchildren that I love them. And I hug them all the time, knowing I've always. I will not let that opportunity pass. That generational curse was broken that night. And, and it wasn't just the generational curse of not knowing how to be a father or give a father's love or a hug, but it was the generational curse of all those other things. I no longer had a desire for any of those things, the drinking and the cussing and all the other stuff. Uh, I, I, I never had a desire for it after that anymore. I quit cussing, I quit drinking, I quit smoking. And, and it, it, it was not because I was under condemnation, it was because I didn't want to do those things anymore. I finally felt worthy enough about myself not to harm myself with all that drunk, junk and sin. Why did I share all that? Number one, God told me to. And I knew it was going to be painful, but I didn't know it was going to be this painful. But he wanted me to share it because I know there's people in this room that went through the same childhood I did, maybe still going through. People listening by social media right now that went through the same childhood I did or maybe is still going through it. Don't feel good about yourself. You feel condemned. You're always criticizing yourself. You never measure up. I'm not smart enough. Uh, I'm too fluffy. I'm too skinny. I'm too this. I'm too that. I don't deserve nothing. I don't deserve this. And, and if that's not broken right now, then you're going to carry it through the rest of your life and you're going to pass it on to your children and they're going to do the same thing you did and pass it on to their children. And that's why I shared it today. I want to break those generational curses. And I want to tell you in front of God and everybody that you are loved and you are 
worthy and you are valuable to God. And you, you're, you're righteous before God. You're, you're worthy before God because, like I said, it's a position. But you've got to reach out, stretch forth your hand and receive it this morning. You have to receive God's love. It's in this room right now. This room is full of God's love. It's full of his presence. But you've got to reach out and receive it. You've got to say that I'm worthy because Jesus made me worthy. I'm loved because God said he loved me, and he proved it. He gave his only begotten son, and he gave him before you were ever worthy. While you were still sinning and living a life of sin, God died for you. He didn't wait for you to become worthy. He didn't wait for you to measure up. He did it before you ever did, ever could. And I'm telling you, if I spoke to you this morning and you're missing maybe the same things I was missing, just wanting to be loved and wanting a hug once in a while, wanting maybe a little recognition for something. In, in my life, it was for baseball. I just want, I would have loved for my dad to pat me on the shoulder and say, son, good game today. You did a good job. And God is delivering me from that. That's not going to be a problem after this day. And I'm going to tell you, after I got that encounter with God that night, I became a baseball coach, and I coached both of my kids' teams. And boy, when they did anything that even remotely resembled something good, even when they made an out, I said, man, that was close. You sure ran that face good. You know, I, I always found something to compliment them about and hug them about. And when Tyler and Ethan were playing baseball two summers ago when you were playing, I tried to make every game in some of the practices. And I try to do it for Tyler right now. And... Uh, when they do a good job, I make sure that I tell them. I make sure that they know their love, and I make sure that they know that they're appreciated and accepted and they're worth something. Amen? How many of us need that? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you do. We all need something like that. It might not be love and a hug, but there's something that you're missing. And I'm telling you, it's in God this morning. God has it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I thank you for your delivering power. And God, I didn't understand it that Thursday morning two weeks ago. Red told me that you were purging me of some things and cleansing me of some things and I thought that I had been clear to those things and I realized this morning there's still a little work that needs to be done but just like everybody in here Lord I don't want to carry that baggage no more and I declare over these people right now in the name of Jesus you don't have to carry it anymore 
you can just leave it at the foot of the cross and then stretch forth your hand and whatever it is that you were lacking in your childhood in your life right now, perhaps you can receive that from God. If it's love, he's got it. And it's true, pure, real love. If it's acceptance, you're accepted in him. If you feel unworthy, he made you worthy. If you feel unrighteous, he made you righteous. Don't wait to feel like you're righteous. Don't wait for somebody to make you feel like you're worthy. You are worthy, whether people say it, think it, or do, or do anything towards you. You are worthy, and you are righteous, and you are accepted in the beloved. Don't let the devil tell you a lie, and don't let anybody else tell you a lie. Whatever people tell you, and I've heard it all, all those negative things, I've heard them all, and I've proven them to be wrong. And it's all because of what God did for me, and he'll do the same for you. Stretch forth your hand today and receive whatever it is you need from God. It's here in this room. His presence is in this room. Let him set you free. I remember praying a prayer and saying, Lord, cleanse my heart. Purge me of all the things that are not pleasing to you. Purge me of all the things that don't belong in my heart. And while I was praying that prayer, I was running through my heart slamming doors saying you can clean this room and you can clean that room but stay out of this room and stay out of that room and this is what I discovered two weeks ago God was knocking on the doors of those rooms that I never opened to him and when I opened them to him the floodgates were open and God began to cleanse the rest of my heart that I never really gave to him. And I pray that you will do the same thing today. And determine in your hearts, whether it's a father's love, a mother's love, a brother or sister's love, you are going to love the way that God loved you. Because that love is in you. And you can share it. And you should share it. Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.